A special thanks goes out to the folks at Anchor.fm for bringing you this podcast. Hello again, everyone. The earthquake has taken an incredible toll in the Middle East. But there is some sign of hope. I'm Tom Zania, and this is Tom Read Your Story. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast on the web for audiobooks, social media posts, current events, and just plain whatever. So let's start the show. For the next half hour, I'll be your host. I'm voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And we are back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Tom Read Your Story, another episode coming to you uh, once a week. Uh, This is not an easy episode to do. Mostly my weekly offering of whatever, readings from different things, is on more of a happier tone. Uh, This obviously is very difficult. Uh, I have watched in the past several days a lot of YouTube video footage of devastation and pain and suffering and grief uh, from the earthquake that has happened Uh, I'm not sure how many days ago now, maybe a week, um, of the devastation in uh, Turkey and Syria. Most of it has happened in Turkey, in Giantep, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And of course, it spread very quickly into Syria when it all happened. Uh, There is on both sides of the border, uh, extreme devastation, buildings. I've seen buildings falling down uh, on on video now for several days. Uh, Search and rescue is of course stressed to the limit as to, uh, because uh, much of the devastation is in remote areas. And it's difficult to get to them because of the winter. Uh, There is help coming from different countries. Uh, The British have sent a pretty large number of uh, rescue workers, search and rescue workers. Uh, It's believed that most of the, the work now is to help the people that have lived through this to provide them with uh, a place to stay, a bed, something to keep them out of the elements. Um, What I'm going to read to you is from PBS and uh, 
this is, of course, what you're going to be hearing is old news, and I have adjusted some of the information uh, to hopefully get near real time. Uh, we are now near, we are now upwards of 40,000 dead uh, between Syria and Turkey. From PBS NewsHour, desperate rescues continue in Turkey and Syria as earthquake death toll rises by thousands. Jane Ferguson, a moment of light surrounded by darkness. Working overnight in Malatya, Turkey, rescuers pulled a man out from the rubble alive. Voices shouting from under crumbled concrete are still waiting to be saved. An immense rescue operation is underway across Turkey and Syria. Thousands of buildings were leveled. Rescuers are now battling against time, hoping to reach those stuck below before it's too late. For many, that wait has already cost lives. Nilufer Seragos, Turkish earthquake survivor. My sister has four children. She has one sister-in-law, in-laws, and nephews and nieces. They're all gone. They're all gone. If the rescuers had arrived yesterday, they would have been saved. But they did not come. Jane Ferguson Others have tried in vain to search for family and friends themselves while they wait for rescue teams. Have a Topal, Turkish earthquake survivor. My uncle, his wife, and his three children are here. We haven't been able to find them for two days. We have heard nothing, no news. The building collapsed after the earthquake, and then a fire started fifteen to twenty minutes later. No firefighters came, no excavators. We tried to save them on our own by scooping water out with plates. Jane Ferguson. Thousands were already displaced before the quakes after a decade of war in neighboring Syria. Thousands more now have been displaced by the disaster. Survivors in Malatya are crammed into tents, sitting on cardboard boxes for beds. But the tents are filling up quickly, and many families were left to wait in the cold for a spot. Across the border in northern Syria, rescue crews in Idlib face a daunting challenge combing through mountains of rubble, some with only their bare hands, desperately searching for signs of life. Farther north in Haram, shouts echoed across a crowded rescue site as a little girl was plucked from the rubble and carried to safety. Hospitals and health clinics across northern Syria are overwhelmed. Many of those facilities were already understaffed and ill-equipped after years of war. Ahmad al-Adnan, Syrian earthquake survivor. Thank God my home was not impacted. But there were ten buildings beside us that fell all at once, an entire neighborhood all at once. Jane Ferguson. Some of those who did manage to escape unharmed are now braving the cold, living on the streets of Aleppo. They're afraid to go home. 
Ibrahim Aid, Syrian earthquake survivor. You saw how a whole building just falls. It is terrifying. It is not as if mortars hit here or there. Here you walk in the streets. Ambulances are everywhere. Buildings are falling. People are walking in the streets. There are bodies. Jane Ferguson The Syrian Red Crescent said more than 120 temporary shelters have now been set up for displaced families. The school in Aleppo is one of them. Kinda Kurdi, Syrian earthquake survivor. To be honest, this is harder than war. At war, there's a strike and it passes. Here, we don't know when it ends. We are terrified. Jane Ferguson. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm Jane Ferguson in Turkey. Amna Nawaz. We will focus now on the Syrian side of the border. Idlib province, the final stronghold of rebels fighting Syrian government forces, was particularly hard hit by the earthquake. Nick Schifrin has that story. Nick Schifrin. The earthquake devastated a region already scarred by a brutal war. For more than a decade, the residents of Idlib have endured bombardment by the Syrian military and its Russian allies, as well as one of the world's largest humanitarian crises. The Syrian civil defense, known as the White Helmets, has spent years trying to save victims of bombings. Now they're one of the few aid groups operating on the ground trying to save victims of the earthquake. Ismail al-Abdullah is a volunteer. Ismail Abdullah, White Helmets. Northwest Syria, now it's a disaster area. We need help from everyone to save our people. Nick Schifrin. And Ismail al-Abdullah joins me now from Saramada in Idlib province. Ismail al-Abdullah, thank you very much. Welcome to the News Hour. You and your teams have spent the last couple days combing through the debris of people's homes, of buildings that have collapsed, trying to save people's lives. What are the conditions right now? Al-Abdullah. The largest scale of destruction, the largest scale of the rubble, made great difficulty that we are facing right now. The earthquake, it caused massive damage in every city and village. Every village. There are many buildings collapsed completely on the families, entire families under the ground, under the rubble. Nick Schifrin. In the videos that you're posting, and that we have here, and that we're showing right now, it seems like you and your teams are going hand by hand, trying to rescue people with whatever tools you have. Al-Abdullah. They are working round the clock to respond. We used to respond to a bombing. We assess first. It's totally different. Each site has three or four buildings collapsed. We are removing the rubble by our hands and by the equipment that we have. Nick Schifrin. And what about you and your family personally? How did you experience this earthquake? And what happened to the people who lived right next to you? Al-Abdullah. 
I was asleep beside my children when the earth started to shake violently and quickly. I responded immediately to hold my kids to go out of the house to avoid this, this horrible scenario that the ceiling and the, uh, to collapse on us. I heard voices screaming next to us, close to us. It was like, it was our neighbors. Their houses collapsed on them. And as I know, 17 people died in that collapse. I went to the site. I couldn't handle. I couldn't hold my tears when I saw the people screaming, seeing and hearing the voices calling for help. Nick Schifrin. You said it yourself. This is different than the war, but so many of the people we're talking about have been through many, many years of this war. How much more pain are they suffering now because of this earthquake? Al-Abdullah. Earthquake made the suffering, doubled the suffering of the people. It came in the time of winter, in, uh, with the winter itself, its disaster, disaster in northwest Syria. It's not like in other countries. Here, people don't have something, anything to warm their children, to keep their children warm and during the cold and harsh winter. Beside this, besides all this, in the first place, they were displaced. Me, I was displaced four times. All the people were displaced, and now they're suffering. Those people who are now injured, they don't have a place to go. They don't have houses. Their houses collapsed. We're talking here about thousands of people. They need shelter. Nick Schifrin. The Syrian government and its Russian allies have specifically targeted hospitals for many years. And their medical facilities? Is there medical care for the people who need it? Al-Abdullah. The whole world knows that Russia and Assad made the hospital targets, killed doctors, destroyed the medical equipment. The health sector already is exhausted, and now, dealing with this catastrophe, they will not be able to. They don't have enough doctors. They don't have even the medical supplies. So... That's why we're calling to help. Maybe they, maybe they can open the gate for doctors. Maybe they can open the gate for those who were injured to go to Turkey. Nick Schifrin. What do you most need right now? Al-Abdullah. We need heavy equipment to move, to remove the massive scale of the rubble. And we need, like generators, because we don't have that electricity to work. We need diesel. We need help. We need international efforts to help us. Help us. To everyone to watching and listening, help those people and consider them as human beings. Amna Nawaz. That was Ismail al-Abdullah with the white helmets. Nawaz. We now turn to Turkey's ambassador to the United States. Hassan Murat Merkan. I spoke to him a short while ago and began by asking him what it's like to see this stunning death toll rise as the rescue operations continue to unfold. Hassan Murat Merkan, Turkish ambassador to the United States. Well, I cannot imagine where it will lead. It will go, but it can go. It can go worse. Also, people are in the tents right now, in the school buildings. So the situation is not very good, to say the least. 
Nawaz. As you well know, the U.S. has already pledged any and all needed assistance. The European Union has mobilized search and rescue teams. Are your country's most urgent needs being met right now? Mercan. First of all, a few hours after the earthquake took place, which was evening, in Washington time, State Department and White House officials approached us and clearly stated their sorriness and, at the same time, said that they are ready to help in any way we need. They have dispatched two rescue teams, and we still need more rescue teams because clearing all these rubbles in in very careful manner, hoping that there are some people under the rubbles, require a lot of manual human work. So we still need new rescue teams. We need a lot of winter materials, winter clothing, which in being, which is being provided by American companies, American citizens, Turkish citizens living in the United States. Jane Ferguson is a New York-based special correspondent for the NewsHour, reporting on and from across the Middle East, Africa, and beyond. And of course, what you've just heard is an example of the daily goings-on in Turkey and Syria. There is some hope for change in the landscape, a landscape of injury and death and uh, a sense of uh, nothing being done. and the sense that this is all just futile. Uh, There are organizations that are coming as fast as they can to the aid of Turkey and Syria for humanitarian help, um, helping those that did survive, and moving some of the rubble away to bury the dead. Here is uh, one group that is doing what they can with your help. The Sam's Foundation. Okay. And I want to read just who they are. Um, Sam's is a global medical relief organization that is working on the front lines of crisis relief in Syria and beyond to save lives and alleviate suffering. SAMS proudly provides dignified medical care to every patient in need. Wow. Uh, You know, considering they're not the Red Cross, that's a pretty great thing. Uh, Sam's Society, I'm clicking on that one. Sam's Sixth National Symposium. Founded in 1998, the Syrian American Medical Society represents thousands of healthcare professionals across the United States, providing healthcare professionals and their peers in the region and beyond with networking, educational, cultural, and professional services. Sam's facilities 
uh, facilitates, excuse me, opportunities for its members through medical missions, conferences, training, and social events. Uh, the time is now, folks. They need help now. Uh, they need your money. They need your prayers, your help. If it can come in some other way than that, that's fine too. Uh, like I said, this is an organization that is helping uh, the uh, people of Syria and Turkey. This didn't just happen in Syria. It happened in Syria and Turkey. And uh, some pretty horrible devastation has happened, as, as I've already said. So uh, if you can, please give your money to them. Uh, anything will help. 100, 200, 300, or whatever you can manage to give. Uh, please help out.
This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.